Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl. Grateful you could be with us this evening. And we have a wonderful guest here we'll introduce in just a moment. I appreciate uh, God giving us this opportunity and those who are volunteering their time and their talents to make this possible. I'd like to begin with a, a short word of prayer and ask Heavenly Father to bless us. Heavenly Father, we pray for your spirit to be with us as we share thoughts and a story here that your spirit will touch hearts. People will be, come to uh, know you and to trust in you. And we pray for your spirit with us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We welcome Rayanna this evening. Welcome, mm -hmm. Rayanna. Thank you. Appreciate nice having here. you here. And Rayanne has been a member of the church, or was a member of the LDS Church for many years, and has, uh, of course, now journeyed into a relationship with, with Jesus. And But would like to cover maybe a little bit of your history. You were uh, married in the temple. I was. And, and you were married in the Manti Temple, I believe. Yes. How was that experience? I was married when I was 18 years old and married in the Manti Temple um, and that was a long time ago but yeah. uh, before then I, I had my endowments taken out before then. Uh, at the, the year I got married there was a, a shortage of places to have your endowments and so I went to the Salt Lake Temple to have my endowments with my mother and uh, it was a different experience. I wasn't prepared for it. Um, even though I'd been active all my life, nothing prepared me for the for the endowment for session. The time in the temple, and it was it. Uh, and in those days, it was there was no film. Of course, the Salt Lake still doesn't. But uh, Manti Temple was also a live session, as they call it. Yes. And and it was different than you thought. I wasn't. What was different? Than well, everything was different. I wasn't prepared for the oaths and the covenants. I wasn't prepared for the the clothing that we wore, the promises that we made, and the punishments if we didn't. Um, and I, when I finished, I think I was more afraid. And then I was confused because everybody else said it was beautiful, <laughs> and I never found it to be a beautiful thing. Oh, never did. Goodness. But I kept going, and I was married in the temple a few weeks later, and that was what. Um, I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do and that my acceptance and the, and the beauty of it would come later. You'd understand it more. I would understand it more. Now growing up you were active as a young lady in the, in the church. Your family was active. And I come from a long line of Mormons. Uh, some of my ancestors came from England. They boarded ships. They came across the ocean. Uh, some of them died at sea and were buried there. Uh, once they landed in uh, the Americas, um, some of them were parts of handcart companies, others uh, covered wagons coming across the plains, and some of them died uh, and were left behind, uh, buried in shallow graves, and wow. it was a tough, tough life for them. 
So it's a, it's a great heritage you have in the church. Has your leaving the church been made more difficult because of, of your heritage? Do you feel like your family has, uh, has that been a problem for you in the, with your heritage? Um, no, they, they haven't, my family hasn't questioned me. I, I, whenever I tell them that I'm no longer a Mormon, um, it's difficult to talk about it with them because they don't want to know. They don't want to know why I've left. Uh, they acknowledge that I've left, but they don't want to. They don't want to know why. And I'm talking about my siblings. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my parents have died, but my siblings don't seem to want to talk about it. Uh, and they get that famous uh, Mormon in the headlight look. That's what I call it. And once I get to the point where I see that glazed-over look. Um, I know that the conversation has ended and I'm not being critical of them because I used to do the same thing. I used to be afraid to talk to people about uh, anything other than being a Mormon and so I would get that glazed over look and, and end the conversation. So I was afraid to talk about things other than Mormonism. Wow. So you had a good, uh, strong testimony of Joseph Smith and I did. I believed Joseph Smith to be the prophet of God. I believed that the church was true. I believed that families were forever. Um, and gratefully, I believe that Jesus was my Savior. That has never changed. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And were there any experiences or doctrines or problems that you faced uh, during your youth or as a young adult that kind of drew you away from the church or had you questioned it at all? I think the first time I ever thought about things being a little bit strange, I was eight or ten years old, and I heard the story of the seagulls coming to save the crops by eating all the uh, crickets and then flying over to the Great Salt Lake and regurgitating, coming back, getting more crickets, and going back and forth until all the crickets were gone. When I was a kid, uh, um, I believed the story. I believed that God could do that. Sure. That wasn't the question. But I didn't believe their story. How would they know that all this happened? Uh, why did, uh, it just didn't seem realistic to me. It wasn't uh, seemed like it reasonable. became a little more embellished. Yeah, as I time think they embellished and, it. And time went on. And another time was when I was 17 years old. Um, I had gone to the Utah State Fair with a friend, and I was wandering around looking at the various booths. And there was a booth there sponsored by the Reorganized Church. And I stopped and talked to the man, and he asked me if I was Mormon, and I said yes. And he said, did you know that the Mormon prophet was supposed to be Joseph Smith's son, and that the presidency was handed down from Joseph Smith to his son? And that's how the reorganized church became... Um, it felt that, valid that they were yeah, the true church. Yeah, that they were the true church. And he showed me the scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants which said that. So I went home and I looked it up in the Doctrine and Covenants and it wasn't there. So I made an appointment with, our, with my bishop at the time and went in to talk to him. And uh, he was furious, absolutely furious with me that I had talked to someone from the reorganized church. And uh, he told me quite quickly that the reorganized church had changed the wording of the Doctrine and Covenants and that's why they believed what they believed and that's why they thought the presidency was handed over to the son. Mm -hmm. um, and he also told me that if I continued to affiliate myself by doing things like that, that I could be excommunicated. Wow. 
Yeah, and I was pretty young then. Yes, and and that made an impression on you, but it, it gave you some pause to, to question maybe the church and, and why things were different than, it, yeah. than they seemed to be. It planted the seed that things were different, that they weren't, at least they weren't the same within the reorganized church yeah. and the Mormon church. Yeah, and polygamy, of course, is a big issue of, with the, uh, not the reorganized, but with, with the... Uh, fundamentalists and so on who also believe that that's what the original practice was supposed to be and then uh, it got changed later. Polygamy has always been an issue with me um, even when I was active in the church it was something that I did not believe in. Um, Again something you might understand later? Yeah <laughs> thinking that or eventually I would understand it. Yeah. Um, I understood that uh, men could be sealed to more than one woman if they got divorced or if she died um, but what really, uh, and then the Mormon church would always say the reason that polygamy was there was because there was such, there were just, the population was not even back in the 1800s when they arrived in the valley. And yet I've learned that since, through the population census, that there were actually, the men and women were actually equally numbered. Mm pretty much, and uh, to me that was a lie. But the biggest thing about polygamy that was difficult for me was that I learned that Joseph Smith was a polygamist. And I didn't learn that until I was probably in my 40s, and it bothered me that the church did not teach us that he was a polygamist. And it bothered me further when I learned that Joseph Smith married women who were already married, that were alive. They were married to live husbands, and that bothered me. A lot. I, I think his uh, spiritual law superseded the civil law in that case, didn't mm -hmm. it? Isn't that what uh, they teach, that the civil law could be done away with by Joseph in favor of God's law or a spiritual law? So. Well, that's what they teach, but they didn't even teach us that he was a polygamist. They, they didn't even teach that, no. right. I'd always taught no. or understood that he had taken wives after, or people had been sealed to him after, after he had died, but not while he was alive. While he was alive. Yeah. Well, so tell us about your first experiences as a Christian, as, as you've left the, you've kind of pulled away from the church at, at some point, and, and what was, what prompted that, or what caused that to happen? I think I was um, probably around 40 years old, and I uh, had a co-worker that had left the church, which really shocked me because mm. he had been so active. And I talked to him about it, and uh, he just says, you know, you need to search this out for yourself and find out for yourself if, if what I'm saying is true. What did he tell you about? He was telling me about polygamy and uh, Joseph Smith and uh, uh, the temple ceremonies, um, that they were not from God. And he didn't say too much about that, but he encouraged me to look into that. So I went down to Sandra Tanner's uh, bookstore and she talked to me a little bit and said, you need to research this for yourself. And so back then, there was, there, were no in, there was no internet, so it meant that I had to go to bookstores and the libraries. So I went to a bookstore in downtown Salt Lake, and, I, and it had a, an old church section. Hmm. And as I was walking through this section of church books, most of them were very, very old, uh, and they were secluded from the rest of the bookstore. But I went through there anyway, and as I was glancing over the titles, one stood out. And uh, it said something to do with Mormons and Masonry. Mm. And uh, 
I'd, I have to be honest, I didn't know anything about masonry at that point in my life, but I opened, I picked up the book and I started reading it and was shocked, shocked when I read that the Masons have the same ceremony that almost word for word and it was that in the this Mormons, book? Yes, yes, in this book, it gave the temple ceremony, it showed different signs and oaths, it gave the covenants, it showed the punishments, the clothing that was worn. Um, this was all recorded as being a Mason. At that point, I knew that Joseph Smith had copied the Masonic rituals and declared them to be temple ceremonies. Wow. Um, it, I, I drifted, after that, I drifted probably for about 10 years in and out of the church. I remained pretty active, um, but it was difficult. My heart wasn't in it. Yeah. And... Um, Finally, when I was, you know, in a, just about 2001, I stopped going to church altogether. Really? I did. And you, you hadn't gone to any Christian churches at this time? You, no. You know. No. So what was your first experience? Tell us your experience with your first uh, visit to a Christian church. Well, the first visit I went to was at Calvary, Salt Lake City. But uh, that was, I think I felt like I was a Christian before that. I started listening to the radio and listened to Dr. Erwin Lutzer okay. every day from 7.30 to 7.45. And um, I, I also started listening to Dr. Stephen Davey and uh, J. Vernon McGee. <laughs> and I don't know which of those people helped me to understand, but I think they all did. But once I understood and believed the Bible to be the Word of God, I felt like I was a Christian. And so the Bible tended to then took on a different meaning for you as a Christian than it did had as a Mormon? It did. When I was a Mormon, if, uh, I would study the Bible and do a resolution to study, say, every day. But after a few days, I would give up that resolution and, and uh, just find myself um, not motivated to continue. Did you understand the Bible as well? No, because it conflicted with the Book of Mormon, it conflicted with the Doctrine and Covenants, and it was, I have to admit, I was quite bored reading the Bible. And then after I started listening to Dr. Lutzer and uh, Stephen Davey, uh, something clicked inside of me. Something clicked, and I had to learn more and more. And my first study was um, to study about Abraham being the friend of God. and. Uh, and all, this, all the sins that Abraham had, and yet he was God's friend. Well, and that was very humbling to me. And now as a Christian, how do you feel about the Bible? I love reading it. I study it nearly every day. And I can't wait until, in fact, I attend a women's Bible study on Tuesday evenings. Okay. And we ha we're supposed to study five days a week. And I find myself studying seven. Constantly. Yeah, and it's in my heart. I just... And if I should miss a day because I have another obligation, I don't feel guilty. I miss it. And that's the difference. I don't feel guilty if I can't study, but I miss it if I don't study. Hmm. And it's in my heart. God changed my heart. I, I, the Bible makes sense. Um, and I know that one of my favorite scriptures is, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin, and I sin, 
displeased. I, I displease God today. I'll probably displease him tomorrow. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He saved me. He died for my sins. He justified me so that I can be in God's presence again. For now, the LDS have a definition of eternal life. Do you recall what that was or is? Eternal life is living forever with God in the celestial in the celestial, celestial kingdom, kingdom if you're worthy. And um, I think that was one of the compelling things that drew me away from the church was that I could never be worthy, <laughs> no matter what I did. And I, I, I tried to do everything. I tried to keep up with all my callings, and I tried to attend all my meetings, and I tried to um, do everything that they told me to do. And it just and, never and seemed it, I, it was never enough, and I always felt that I fell short. And I think that's the beauty of the scripture you quote there about the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it gives us such hope, doesn't it? It does. It does. And also you mentioned just not getting enough of the Bible. It's almost a hunger and thirst after, after the Word of God. Do you feel that? I do. I'll be driving down the street and I always listen to Christian radio while I'm driving and uh, I'll hear a scripture and if I hear something that I want to read further on, I'll hurry and jot it down as I'm driving. <laughs> and God has protected me, and I haven't been in a wreck yet. Oh, good. Um, but then when I get home, then I look it up, and I read the chapter before, I read the chapter after, I read that chapter to try to get the context of the whole thing. And it makes sense to me. It makes sense. Well, it just seems like one of the joys of of this walk in the Christian world is that the Bible opens up. Uh, I think our eyes are opened. Uh, I know it, there's so many references in the Bible about uh, the gospel being hid to those that are lost or not it mis or are misunderstood or that there are false Christs and false prophets. People that would deceive us and not and for some reason, the Bible seems to open up and make much more sense. You agree with that, I guess? And it does make more sense. Yeah, and you can't get enough. I can't get enough. There was We had a um, six-week reprieve between Bible study classes, and so I went down and bought another study and studied the book of Revelations. During that time? During that time period. I just yeah. have, there's just so much to learn, and I love learning it. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you had you listed a couple of things that kind of bothered you with uh, with the church, and you've touched on a couple of them. But one that I thought was interesting was that you you mentioned something about fathers not being able to bless their own children in the church. Oh yes. Yeah. I always thought that was pretty unfair um, that fathers cannot bless their own children, give them a name if they don't have the Melchizedek priesthood. Um, they do allow them to stand in the circle, but there was a time when they didn't even allow that. Um, but to me, I don't know, that just doesn't seem right that a father cannot name and bless his own child. One of the they joys, think. again, of, of the Christian walk is, to, is, is such freedom in Christ and not being tied down to specific rules and rituals mm -hmm. and, and so on. Well, let me ask you this. Um, are, uh, are Mormons Christian? They believe they are. When I was a Mormon, I believed I was a Christian because I believed Christ was my Savior. I've always believed that. But 
the Jesus that I believed in then is not the biblical Jesus because we were not taught that Jesus is God in the flesh. Uh, we were taught that Jesus was born of Mary and was a son or a person, but he wasn't God. He was our elder brother. He was our elder brother. And so, yes, I believed I was a Christian as far as I knew. Right. But I look back at it now and I was not. So I now when not. you're praying to God, you, you feel a, 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 more, a closer relationship, do you, than before? I do. I pray. There's a scripture that says something about praying continually. And I, I feel like that's almost in my heart all the time. And I, I believe in His will. I believe His will in all things, and I know that through Him all things are possible. And I know that whatever I ask in Jesus' name, I will be given. And those things are things I had never felt before. I think one of the things that I didn't understand being a Mormon was that, that there was a whole world of, of Christians and of good people out there who are striving to, to do better and to live the way they're supposed to and trust in the Bible and trust in God. Uh, do you, did you ever have a sense that there was life after Mormonism when you were a Mormon? Did you understand that either? I think when I was, um, I think the first time I thought about leaving when I was about 40 years old, I worried that so somehow my life would change for the worse. That somehow I would be punished, maybe not earthly, but uh, spiritually. And and that was tough. That's and that that may have that may have kept me in the church for ten years more. But once I left, I didn't feel that anymore. So it didn't feel the way you expected no. it to feel. No. How did it feel? I feel my heart is light. God has changed my heart. He's changed my heart towards people. I think I've always been accepting of other people's faiths. But rather than just being being accepting, I want to tell them what I feel. And I'm so disappointed when I'm unsuccessful in telling them um, that I haven't developed that ability yet to, yeah. to let them know how I feel. If, the, if an LDS person knew what you know, do you think they could stay uh, an active member of the church? I, I don't know how they could because I believe the Mormon Church is based on lies. I believe that Joseph Smith was a liar. And if, it's, if the church is based on lies, it doesn't matter how many good things they do, because they're great in a lot of ways. But if the church is based on lies, I don't know how they can follow it. Yeah. And to have the the joy of, of trusting in the Bible and knowing that it is the Word of God, that it's come forward to us the way He wanted it to come to us, and that we can trust in it, and it's such a simple gospel. And, and the Bible doesn't speak anything of, of some, so many of the rituals and ceremonies that the church purports. Um, one of the other confusions or questions I think that Mormons have are about Christians, whether they have any moral values. Do you, do you feel that Christians have good moral values? Oh, absolutely, and probably more. Um, and the guilt is removed because I know that I'm going to sin. And yet I don't 
I don't worry about it. I know that I can repent, and I know that God will forgive me. But no Christians have, have very high moral standards on treating and loving other people. And that Jesus has paid for our sins. Jesus has paid for our and sins. And that's the gift of eternal life. My favorite scripture. That's beautiful. Uh, do Christians do good works? They do. We talk about faith without works is dead. The, the Mormons do that. Do the Christians do good works? They do good works, but first to be saved you have to believe in Christ. And once your heart has been changed, your behavior matches your, the change of heart. Yeah. So you naturally do good things. Do good things. Because your heart has been changed. And you know you've been saved and born again. And, and you so. want others to be saved as well. Yeah. Well, it is heartfelt. I, um, I feel for people who aren't willing to study, who aren't willing to search or to question. They go along blindly without having their eyes ever opened and don't have that relationship with, with Jesus. Well, a couple of quick questions for you. Um, should, a, should the United States have a Mormon president? Wow. <laughs> I don't, I would not vote for a Mormon president because as a Mormon, and if you're an active Mormon and you go to the temple, you consecrate everything to the Mormon church. Mormon church. And if the country's not first to the president, then that's not a good president to have. <laughs> the country must come first to the president who's elected. Uh, do you have a favorite book besides the Bible that you'd recommend to the to an LDS person? Oh, uh, I really like Sean McCraney's A to Z. <laughs> it is very good. It is it very very good. Covers both sides of the issue and is very re very readable, isn't it? It is. I love it. Yeah. And another book that I've read recently is um, about the about forgiveness, and it's called The Devil in Pew Number Seven. <laughs> written by Re Rebecca Alonzo, and I have never read such a story of somebody persecuting a family and that family forgiving wow. the persecutor. Read it. Wow. It's a good one, huh? Read it. Well, we appreciate you being here very much. You have a minute to live. What do you say to the LDS? Um, I believe that you have been misguided as I was. And I encourage you to read your scriptures, read the Bible, because there's one there in Galatians that says that even if an angel comes and preaches a gospel different than ours, he will be condemned. And so the Mormons not only preach another gospel than what Paul preached, they also preach a different gospel than what they preached in the first place. So was, your salvation Paul telling us that. Yeah, yeah. your salvation depends on it. Well, thank you, Rayanna, for coming. We appreciate your story. I think it will touch the hearts of many people. And I do want the LDS people out there to ask themselves, am I living the gospel of, Jesus, of Joseph Smith, or am I living the gospel of Jesus Christ? Good night, everybody. Thanks for watching. Get a lot out of, but this one's out of Galatians 5.1. And it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Wow. So that's exactly where I'm at right now. And, and, right. and any, any last words, testimony <laughs> kind of words you'd care to share? Um, <clears throat>
I'm just grateful my eyes, ears have been opened. Okay. So. Well, we appreciate having you here. We uh, appreciate your testimony and your thoughts. Uh, they're very heartfelt. And, you know, it's a real challenge to be LDS in this culture and, and family and friends. And I know you've had your uh, ups and downs with that and your challenges. I would like to mention to the LDS people that... Um, as we transition out of Mormonism, we learn things about the Christian world that's, that's absolutely wonderful. These are real people. They have hearts and they want to do what God wants them to do. And when we talk about the hungering and thirsting after righteousness, you just almost can't get enough of God's Word. And it means so much to us in our life. And I ask you this one question. Am I living the Gospel of Joseph Smith or am I living the gospel of Jesus Christ? Any question or problem you have that comes up, think about, did Joseph Smith give that to me or did Jesus give that to me? Anyway, thank you for joining us tonight and good night. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music